128 here on a beautiful Saturday. I'm Sonny Carton with the one and only Damon Snacks Harrison. You're here listening to Snacks and Sunny on U Stadium. How are we doing, Snacks? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Can't wait to get into some things today. Absolutely. I know it, man. I know I got it coming. I just so just just let me have it. Just right. let, let's get it out the way. Let's get it out the way. All right. So you said to me last week that mm -hmm. we need to put the ball in Gino's hands. Not only did they do that, here's the clip right here, in overtime, not even a figure of speech. The ball was in Gino's hands, and TJ Watt said, I'll just take that and walk my way to the W. What happened? Listen, man, he was trying to make a play. I don't, I don't fault him, you know, at all. Just a, you know, a, a, a very good player made a, a big play, you know, at a big moment in the game, but... He was trying to make a play, so you know you really you, you can get on him about ball control a little bit, but um, overall, I, I still think he had a pretty good day, man. The defense played well enough for them to win. Uh, they ran the ball pretty good. I think they kind of got away from the run in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. Um, but they just didn't pull it out, and that that turnover um, is, is what you can point to. I'll tell you what, he did give them a chance to win the game. But I think it goes mm -hmm. back to what my main problems with Thorism were in the first place, and that you just can't expect him to do the little things to win you the game. Mm -hmm. Like he just limited their offense the whole day. He didn't let the ball drive down the field. He couldn't find their main targets, and yeah. it just wasn't working out. But it was still game one of Geno starting in there. Um, I think it was more so the game plan too. You can't really say that he didn't. Um, he had some opportunities to go down the field, um, and he didn't. But. Um, I think the game plan was more so from from looking uh, the outside in. It was more so like quick passes and you know the intermediate game, which they took a while to get Lockett going, which was surprising. Um, but I, I still think overall he didn't do bad, man. He didn't. So, do you think your opinion would that on change if you were on the defensive side of the ball today playing? Because you played with Gino when you were obviously in your past, but I mm -hmm. you never went up to your coach asking Gino to play when you were sitting there on the defense. Listen, um, when when he went in there for the Giants, I was excited for Gino to get the opportunity. We needed a change. We needed to add a different dynamic to our offense, and that's something that Gino uh, brought to us more so than Eli did. Um, and even when he was on the Jets again, man, Gino played pretty well. He did. It wasn't he didn't go out and put up you know crazy numbers, but you know all things considered, um, you know I I would really have rather had Gino out there you know, at that time to any other quarterback, to be honest with you. All right. Well, that's definitely shocking to me. And mm -hmm. if we're going to talk about shocking, let's give both of us. What, who's your most shocking NFL team through the season so far? I'm going to have to say Arizona. I knew they were going to be good, but um, I didn't think they would be 6-0 and good. Um, right? They're 6-0, right? Um, All right? Yeah, undefeated. They're the only undefeated team uh, left in the NFL, um, if I recall correctly. But I, I would have to say Arizona. We're one for one there. I picked mm -hmm. the, I picked the Cardinals as well. Yeah. You know, top five in rushing yards, third in takeaways. They're mm -hmm. figuring out how to win, getting Kyler in position to succeed. Yeah. The thing that I've been kind of interested in is they haven't been going to Hopkins as much as you would think with him on that offense. He has mm -hmm. six touchdowns through six weeks. So obviously, in terms of the red zone scoring, that's not too bad. But only with 370 yards and four catches a game, it's kind of impressed me that they've been able to succeed without just forcing him the ball, kind of what he's seen in the past on the Texans where he had to be that main guy. But they're getting other guys involved like Rondell Moore. They just yeah. trade for Zach Ertz. I love yeah. what the Cardinals are doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, they're, they're spreading the ball around a little bit more and 
towards the end of the season, you'll see D Hop getting a lot more opportunities than he did in the beginning. But for right now, you know, what they're doing, they not saying they don't need him. They just don't need him to be that dynamic playmaker like he had to be in the past, which is a great thing for them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and they've been some they've been some tough teams already. Week mm-hmm. one, they beat the Titans. Then they go and beat the Cardinals in a battle, and they beat the Jaguars. So those are two easy games. They take care of the Rams like nothing. They beat the 49ers, and then they just destroyed the Browns. And they play the Texans tomorrow, which should be another easy win. We could be looking at 7-0 for the Cardinals. Hey, man, I don't want to make any excuses why, you know, they, they, they're winning the games they're winning, especially after hearing J.J. White on the sideline, what he had to say about, you know, the guys and people making um, – making excuses as to why they're in a position they're in now. Um, their schedule has been favorable, um, and, and I think they just matched up well with a lot of teams they played. Um, so it'll be exciting to see what they do the second half of the season. Looking forward to their Thursday night matchup uh, next week. They got the Packers. You think oh, Kyler they, could outdo Aaron? They're not, uh, they're not pulling that off. Where, where is the game at? Uh, that game will be uh, Thursday. That's going to be in Arizona. In Arizona, um, I don't know, man. I like Green Bay's offense in uh, in Arizona, and his inside as well. So uh, I, I will have to give the edge to the Packers. Give the edge to the Packers. Absolutely. I mean, all right. I mean, they're not too shabby. Five and one's not that much worse than six and zero. Oh. You know, one of those games goes differently. I could definitely see them pulling. Yeah, right but out. who do you think is going to finish with a better record towards the end of the year? The Packers or the Cardinals? I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer in the Packers. I'm not just saying it because I was there towards the end of last year, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is the man. I'm going to say the Packers because it's hard to not root for the guy who you've seen do it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Tyler also has shown that he's a young guy. He's got the legs. He's got the arm talent. They're trending upwards. But yeah. The Packers have been there before. They were in the conference finals last year, couldn't get mm-hmm. it done, and they're looking to repeat the same thing. So I would have to say the Packers. I think the Packers are in a, a conference championship game two years in a row, I believe. Yeah. Um, so last year and the year before. So they have the experience. So if they ever were to meet – you know, later on down the line and in the playoffs, I think the Packers wouldn't let this opportunity slip through their hands a third time. In terms of letting opportunities slip through their hands, I want to hear your thoughts on trading for Deshaun Watson because the big rumors are circulating this week that a trade's been finalized or Mm -hmm. they're getting ready to move terms to send him to Miami. If you're a Dolphin fan, do you want to be jumping over the trade news? Um, probably not because of where the Dolphins are right now. If it was a move they made earlier in the season, week one, then I could see everybody being excited because um, he's eligible to play. Um, I think the Texans are, are moving on a little uh, premature. Um, maybe that's the fact that Watson just said that he's not playing for the Texans anymore. Um, and those are, if those are his thoughts and his feelings, then you got to respect it. But, um, where Miami is right now and, you know, how that division is looking, um, who's the leader in that division? Is that um, – That's got to be the Bills. The Bills, yeah. So I don't think they're catching the Bills. So I like the move um, as, a, as a good chess piece. I mean, a good chess move for the future. But right now, I don't think there's anything, you know, the Dolphin fans should be too excited about. Really? See, I think that's mm-hmm. shocking because to me, I see Deshaun Watson as a top five quarterback in today's game. Oh, he is. And as much as we can talk about his off the field stuff, I mean, if you're clear to play in the NFL, there's going to be a team waiting to call your name. And yeah. for a guy who's the all time leader in career completion percentage, I know that's a young career, but I mean, that, that those numbers speak words. And to get a guy like that, I think you'd have to want to trade for him. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. If you had the opportunity 
to you know to get him and they did their due diligence on you know what's going on right now in terms of you know him off the field um you know it could be a, it could be a great great move for the dolphins and you know something that the the, the texans have to live with if it works out but the one spot I will say I disagree with you in that I think mm-hmm. right now would be the perfect time to trade for a Watson if you're the Dolphins, knowing that you not only get to play the Texans again, but you get to play the Jets twice. They played the Giants this year. You go in to play the, the Panthers. I mean, they have a lot of winnable games on this schedule, especially if you're looking at Deshaun Watson under center. So I would think that this could be a time where you could bring him in and change the entire momentum of the season. But it's not. It's. I mean, it's too... I don't want to say it's too far gone, but Buffalo is just too good of a team to, you know, allow anybody to catch up. So I don't think, you know, it's going to make that much of a difference. Not, not this year. So would Buffalo be in your top five teams in the league? Uh, right now, overall, as like as as a whole, um, I would have to say yeah. I don't have to give them. They'll probably be my number five team. They're my they're in my number five spot right now. Let, let me know if you disagree with any of these in your top five or if you would replace anyone. Mm-hmm. I got the Cardinals at one just because they're undefeated. They deserve that spot. Mm-hmm. I got the Ravens at two. Love what Lamar's doing. Buccaneers at three. Brady proven. That's all you need to say. I got the Packers at four. And then I got the Bills coming in at five. So I think the Bills are right there at five. You don't have the Rams in there? I do not have the Rams in there. Oh, wow. What is it with you and the Rams, man? Because you said something about the Rams last week, too. What is it with you and the Rams? I have nothing against the Rams. But I don't I don't look at the Rams and put them over any of those teams I just named there. I think you could put them over Buffalo. You think you could? I, I, absolutely. I think, I think you can put them over Buffalo. Um, or even, you know, you can't go against the GOAT. But um, did you have Dallas in your top five? I do not. Man, <laughs> so who'd you who'd you put in there at three again? Who's third? I got the Buccaneers. Buccaneers at three. Okay, so I'll go. Um, no particular order. Um, Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa. Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa, um, Dallas, and I'll have to go to Rams. I'll, I'll have to move Buffalo out of the five spot. Okay. I don't blame you for that. I like going with the quarterbacks. I mean, the reason I like my list is because I try to take the best quarterbacks in the league to pick in my teams. Not mm-hmm. that that's the only thing that matters, but I think when you start bringing in the Rams, obviously they're a tier below everyone else. When you talk about guys like Kyler, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, even Dak. So you're I saying Matthew Stafford, Stafford is a tier below them? Yes. I oh, think man, he's at crazy. one tier below. Absolutely. Matthew Stafford is an elite quarterback, and he's been an elite quarterback for, for some years now. He's yeah. elite, but those yeah. other guys are the top five in the league. No, man. You got to put Stafford up there. Stafford is top five. Stafford is top five right Based now. Based on what? Based on everything. Like, just what he's done in his career, what he's still doing now. Still got the arm strength. The arm talent is still there. I mean, you put him in the offense like you're seeing now and give him a good defense, and I think the Rams are going to make some noise, like some serious noise. I think the Rams will make noise, and I think Stafford is going to be a big part of that. But I think we can't forget that this is a team that was in the Super Bowl just three years ago with Mm -hmm. Jared Goff under center. So I think if you look at the two rosters and see what they were able to do with Jared Goff, who, no offense to him, but he's nothing compared to Matt Stafford. And then you bring a guy like Stafford in who obviously has the capability to be throwing the no-look passes and to do this and that. Yeah, uh, They should be doing well. Yeah, yeah. So um, honestly, if you're not – Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, um, or Patrick Mahomes, 
Matthew Stafford can stand up with any of those other quarterbacks, not not name those three. And even Tom Brady. Would you would you take Eli over him? Would I take Eli over Matthew Stafford? Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. No, no offense to Eli, but I'm taking Matthew Stafford, man. Okay. Stafford, Stafford is special. Well, now I know how much you how much of a high respect you hold Stafford in. <laughs> Stafford, Eli's your guy. Yeah, no, I, I love me some Eli, man, but Stafford is different. Okay. What is it you love about him so much? He couldn't get Megatron the ball enough. He couldn't get Me- Megatron was a pro bowler and all pro every year he was in Detroit, man. Like, what do you mean? And they wasted both of their careers. I know because they didn't have a running game. Stafford never had a running game. He didn't have a 100-yard rusher till like, last year. That's, that's crazy. What that's what I'm in. telling you. He never had a running game. Yeah. So if you give him a solid running game, you know, I, I think that'll make the world of a difference as opposed to, you know, the play-action game really hasn't been a big part of what he's done, even though he do it a lot. Uh, they People just didn't respect the run game. But, uh, you know, the Rams, they do a lot of things scheme-wise where I believe, you know, they can open that up. So then who would be your favorite today to win the Super Bowl? Uh, right now, if the season ended today, I would say the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And what finally puts them over teams like the Buccaneers that they haven't been able to get to in the past? Just failing twice in the conference championship. You know, remembering that feeling and understanding what that was like and knowing what they had to do and doing things differently. I think, you know, the third time is the charm. So what if I said to you that if they matched up with the Buccaneers again, that the Buccaneers wouldn't be able to use what they used last year to beat them, opposed to the Packers suddenly being able to figure out what's been stopping them? Um, so you like Tampa over Green Bay? I do. Uh, I don't think it like more so Tampa beat us last year because of mistakes. It was you know some 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 mental lapses guys were having, uh, you know some couple bad calls in there. Uh, from the referees, it wasn't like they just came in there and spanked us, you know what I mean? Like they did a lot of teams, but um, I don't see that happening again. I'll tell you what worries me about the Packers. Mm-hmm. And this is something that isn't necessarily their fault, but just something that is a red flag to me and that their problem has never been regular season success. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has put up numbers yeah. year after year with Jordy Nelson, with Devontae Adams, whoever you want to have in there. But every time they get to the playoffs, and don't get me wrong, obviously Rodgers won the Super Bowl, so this is not a problem mm-hmm. with him winning. But it seems like every year, that time they get to that one big game in the playoffs, everything falls apart. Whether it was let up, when they let up 70 points to the 49ers two years ago in the conference, whatever it is. <sighs> I feel like every year when they get to that big game, everything just falls apart no matter what it was. So I'm not disagreeing with you. They look great. I'm just mm-hmm. saying they seem to look great every single year until that one moment. So this year, <laughs> if that one moment comes and they win that game, look for a text from me because I'll be right yeah. there from you. But I got to yeah. see it happen first. Yeah. It's, see, I, I think they couldn't put a complete game together. Um, you know, one year you can blame it on the defense. Uh, another year you can blame it on the offense because anytime um, – I think we picked up Brady three times. I maybe had like four turnovers. Like anytime you can do that to a Tom Brady team or something like that, you got to put points up on the board. You got to put points on the board. So I think that's, you know, the – as opposed to just kicking field goals or, you know, just punting the ball. If they can put the points up on the board, then I don't see too many people, you know, beating them. And that's what was so shocking about that decision to take the field goal in last year's playoffs. When you have Aaron Rodgers on the roster, how do you not let him try to go points up on the board? Right, right. So if you see what Shed Sports asked you, if you could play for any NFL team right now, <laughs> what team would it be? 
Oh man, listen, listen. That's the first question y'all gonna throw up there. That's the tough. Um, if I could play for any NFL team right now, uh, it would have to be it would have to be the Giants. That wasn't a, wasn't a tough question. I knew the answer from the time I read the, uh, read the question. It was just I was trying to see if I could dress it up any other way, but you can't really. It would, it would have to be the Giants. Yeah. Is that just because that's what's familiar to you? Or? I just feel like I had some unfinished unfinished business. I didn't like the way um, you know that I left, and I think that's one of the um, mistakes I'll have to live with for the rest of my life. The way that I left, I think I should have stayed, and you know toughed it out and you know ignored certain people um but i had to i was at a point in my career where i was playing well um they just drafted two defense alignments so you know me being an under guy older guy i understand the business i know what's going on you're setting yourself up for the future and i get it and i told him that completely but for me and where i was i wanted to move on so um i actually be traded for like three weeks before they actually did it um what happened was Dave Gettleman was going through chemo at the time. I think he was down in Houston, so he wasn't there uh, for like two weeks. So while I was trying to get the trade and everything to happen, um, you know, it was just kind of awkward being in the building. And you can see if you look at the the stats from my, my playing time before I got traded, like it was just consistently going down. But I was still producing. I was still being productive, you know, and I understood they wanted to get the younger guys in there. You know, I had a talk with Sherman. I told him, listen, this is what y'all supposed to do. But for me and where I am now, I'm not going to just sit back and just collect the check because that's what a lot of people were telling me to do. Like, you're still getting paid. Why do you care? You're like, what do you mean, why do I care? I want to play football. I don't care what it looks like or who it's for. Um, but I did tell them three teams that I did not want to go to, and I ended up getting sent to one of them. <laughs> No loyalty? Man, listen, I think that was more of a Pat Sherman thing than anybody else. That was kind of his little um, his little kick in the butt for me on the way out. Because he tried to play it like, um, you know, they got rid of the bad apples. But Pat Sherman and I had a talk in his office where he was begging me to stay. Like, he wanted me to change my mind, you know, and thinking about the future and coming back next year. So that's the only thing that bothered me about Pat Sherman. You portrayed it one way in the media, but I know the truth. He and I both know the truth. 100% they did that to, to mess with you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And at the time, uh, I think Detroit may have offered um, the best deal. Okay, so, so, so yeah. that's the thing that I that, – that, that's what bothers me in the business of sports. Here are the Giants where everyone's like, oh, they got to do the best thing for them. Like even when you said, you mm -hmm. asked not to be traded somewhere, but they got the best package for them. Mm -hmm. But then when Snacks wants to do what's best for him – it's There's a problem. a problem with it. Why does that happen? Because nobody looks at the team in the business side from the team. They all just look at the players because we're the players are more tangible. Like we're, we're individuals, so they can point something out. When the team is just this big corporation, they can't really point to one person, but you can. Um, but there's so many people running the team from the owner to the president to, um, you know, head coach, general managers, too many people to point the fingers at when it's just a player. You know, they expect that player to have a certain level of loyalty. And I and I don't believe in that. I, I think all of that is BS. Yeah, and I think it's just starting to become more true and more true as we see every day. I mean, guys getting cut, guys getting traded. 
yeah. contract disputes, whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. not to talk about football, but it's just something happened with DeAndre Ayton and the Suns. Like, you, you draft a young guy, he goes on, takes you on a finals run, you don't pay him what he's due. Right. And somehow it's on DeAndre Ayton for not taking right. the money. Like, like, what are we talking about here? So at some point, we have to hold these guys accountable if we ever want to yeah. see it truly change. Because as much as it's the players, like us fans are the guys that have to hold the owners and the teams accountable. And yeah. Say, listen, like you got to stop doing this. Yeah, and you're starting to see it more. It's starting to happen more, you know, um, in, in this in this era and this time than it did any other time before. But um, like you said, I think the fans are starting to realize and understand what's going on behind the scenes because now they're getting a full look into everything with. Um, what do you call it? The little training camp show that shows you the hard inside, knots, like hard, hard knots. knots. Like people are starting to get a behind the scenes look and see what's going on and seeing how players are treated. So, um, you know, that's it, it's coming. So a guy like you who obviously we had Slay on, TJ Barnes, it's clear how much of a fun guy you are in the locker room. Would mm-hmm. you have liked that to be shown on a show like Hard Knocks or would you like to keep that behind closed doors? I like to keep that behind closed doors. I don't I don't like to to show too much of myself. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very reserved. I'm laid back. Um, I think Hard Knocks would have been a great opportunity for some people who didn't know me to see how I am. Because, like I said, I'm so reserved. I didn't do a lot of talking or speaking, anything like that. So a lot of people didn't know me. They just knew how my play was on the field, and that was it. So um, I wouldn't have been a fan of Hard Knocks. And I think one year I was on the Giants or the – not the Giants, the um, the Lions, and the Lions were being – like they're being considered one of the last teams. Well, they were, they were one of the last teams in consideration for Hard Knocks, um, and we all thought that the the team had got it, and I was not a fan of it. Yeah, I don't blame you. It seems like such mm-hmm. a. I mean, the whole part of the NFL is building the culture and yeah. you know, kind of separating yourself from the rest of the league. But when mm-hmm. all that in between stuff gets out there, I feel like not that it loses purpose, but it's almost like, what are we doing here? Like, is the goal to win a championship, or is it to just have as many people watch what we're doing? And say, like, look what we're doing over here in the Cowboys. Right. That's which a lot of teams are doing. <laughs> perfect for Jerry Jones, though. He, I'm sure he loved it. Yeah. Yeah. They love that attention down there, man, in, in, in the D. There's so a big D. In terms of uh, getting attention, obviously, you were undrafted free agent. We had another guy just go crazy, Jernish Johnson on the Browns, who is undrafted free agent. Can you just talk about what's that like coming in as a guy who – didn't get to the NFL maybe the same way the guys around you did and being expected to do the same things as they do on the field? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a different experience because with the Jets, um, they kind of made us – not saying it was a bad thing to me. It was a good thing. Um, if you weren't drafted, you felt and you knew that you weren't drafted. The drafted players were treated completely differently. Um, the dra- undrafted player, well, the drafted players come in, they get their Jets gear, man, got Jets on the front. You know, got number on the bag, the name, the undrafted guys come in. There's nothing on the shirt, nothing on the front, nothing on the back. So it's kind of like they wanted you to earn, you know, they wanted you to earn your keep, which, you know, kind of motivated me in a way because the only thing I used to say, man, is I want one of those shirts with my name on it. That's all I wanted was a shirt with my name on it. Um, so, but it's, it's, a, it's a different road. It's a different path. You got to go above and beyond you can't do the same thing that the guys you know that got drafted are doing because you looked at differently and at any moment you could be sent home because there's no um there'll be no financial ramifications to the team if they cut you so for a guy like Dennis johnson who just put up crazy numbers but obviously in the absence of nick chubb and cream hunt is that a guy you like to see get more touches when those two come back or is that just 
he just performed well in the situation he was given and tough shit? Um, man, when you got, you know, Cleveland has two running backs in front of him, right? Um, so when they come back or when the starter come back, you still got to kind of find a role for him to see if he can continue to produce, but you can't really take away from the guys who've been there. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the starters, your, your core. Um, but you also can't just throw that diamond in the rough either, away either because you may have found something. It may have just been a one-game thing or, you know, maybe the start of something great. And it's so funny to me because my friends and I were just having a conversation about maybe two weeks ago, like which team in the NFL has the best backfield. And we almost all unanimously decided the Browns regardless because you got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb who two of the most dynamic players in the yeah. league. But then you had a guy like Johnson who just put up 122 and a touchdown, and it's like, what are we doing here? Like, it's it's not it enough It's not enough footballs out there for everybody, man, because you still got to – one thing I do want Cleveland to do, they got to feed Odell, man. I don't think they're feeding Odell. He's, he should be featured in their offense. Um, if you can get production like that from your running backs, your wide receivers should be having field days out there. I'm glad you bring this up because I've been high on Odell since I first saw him make the catch since he's first been in the league, and I just don't understand what the last few years of his career has been. When you talk about a guy who came into the career like literally breaking records for fastest to get 50 receptions, fastest to X amount of touchdowns, and then all this, like on pace for a legitimate Hall of Fame career, and then all of a sudden it goes from here just through a day, through the floor. Like I don't understand how that happens for a guy as talented as Odell, especially like you're saying in an offense where they have the run established. They have what they think is the guy to get them the ball in Baker. Like they have to figure out a way to touch his hands more. Yeah, they have tight ends. They have uh, Jarvis on the other side of them. So I mean, you have to feature him, and he's just not featured in their offense. It's not anything that he's doing, in my opinion. Because if you watch the Brown game, Odell's open a lot. Baker just doesn't get him the ball, whether that's by design or you know Baker just either don't trust him or you know. They're giving him some mixed coverages and some mixed reads, and he don't want to make a mistake. But at some point, you got to get Odell to a team that can feature him. If he was on the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers getting him the ball. Like he's getting him the ball. So from your experience, if there's a guy who obviously has so much stuff potential like Odell does, but mm-hmm. it's not translating to on-the-field stuff, is there mm-hmm. normally something going on behind the scenes that us fans aren't seeing? Or could it be a mixture of any reasons that just happen to come up on Sundays? Um, I think it's definitely something going on behind the scenes. Anytime you have something like that, whether it be uh, head coach, general manager, offensive coordinator, um, player, and, you know, player to player, the two that's involved, um, it's, it's definitely more to it than what we just see on Sundays, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but, you know, I've been around a, a few different locker rooms and, you know, you can tell when something is just not right and something's not right. Yeah, and he has to struggle or get better, I'm sorry, with a few of the drops that aren't mm-hmm. characteristic of Odell. And yeah. he talked about it with and Stefanski came out and said, obviously, Odell never expects the ball to hit the ground. But in terms of having a guy that talented on your roster, who you're going to pay as much money as he's making, in an offense where, like I just said, there's no reason why he shouldn't be getting the ball. They have the run established. Everything's there. The pieces are in place. Now all you have to do is get your key player the ball and let him go make great plays. Yeah. It's the same thing with you. If, if for some reason Snacks wasn't on the field on first and second down, we'd be having a problem. Because mm-hmm. it's not even an issue of, oh, he's dropping the ball too much. Oh, he's not getting open. The issue is the ball's not touching his hands. They're just not throwing it to him. Like, <laughs> even if you don't want to go down the field, I mean, 
give him some some slant routes, throw him some drags, let him try to create something. That he's he's at his best when you can get him the ball in space, and you just don't see Cleveland designing enough plays for him for whatever reason. It's mind-boggling. It's great. It, it makes no sense. And someone asked this question earlier, is up on the screen, and we kind of talked about it in our first episode about who. Uh, your favorite O-line you played against, so we don't have to talk about that, but who was your favorite D lineman to line up alongside <laughs> and just know that like you're racing him to get to the quarterback first? Man, listen, if we talking about like in terms of um I can't I can't really tell you my favorite man because I played on some pretty good defensive lines. Like um but the Jets was just a different ball game when we were there. Like it was so much competition and Pepper Johnson, our defensive line coach and Carl Dunbar made sure that we stayed in competition every single day. It wasn't just what you saw on Sundays or, you know, Thursday nights or Mondays, like the entire week, like we were at each other's heads, like at each other's necks trying to make plays. We're in the meeting room arguing about, you know, who made this play, who did that, what you would have done here. Like we had production sheets that listed our productions and you would walk in the room and you would see like Muhammad is, three points higher than you on the production sheet. And now the next game, like you making it like it wasn't, we was having fun, but you can see it like in the huddle on the field. We all were so ready to make plays. That's why all of us got off of blocks. Like one of the things that was written in the defensive line room on the wall big is that it's not a sin to get blocked. It's a sin to stay blocked. So I don't really have a favorite defensive lineman that I play with. I just think that just defensive line that we had, um, when it was myself, Sheldon, uh, Muhammad, and Quentin Copas, like it was just that was a different ball game, and we really genuinely liked each other. Yeah, and it's almost funny to say, but that's reflected watching it as a fan too, because those were the years that you could tell. I mean, the second the ball was snapped, it seemed like you guys had extra motivation to yeah. stop whoever is there. I mean, and it was like, like you said, it was the collective unit for sure. It wasn't just one of you guys. You were all picking each other up, making sure everyone yeah. was going looking as a collective unit and i think that's what made that team so great and obviously it was yeah. one of the the few moments of success in my life as a jets fan <laughs> and we had fun man and you will see us on the practice film if anybody can find the practice film you'll see the defensive line like we're sprinting down the field if a ball is on the ground we're running to go pick up a ball if it's a fumble we're all just like full speed running finishing back through the line like it was it was serious What's your favorite practice moment ever? Like one moment either that you were like, damn, I wish that happened in a game or the other way. You're like, thank God that was practice. Like, Oh, um, I, I intercepted um, Mark Sanchez at practice. You take it to the house? <laughs> yeah, I took it to the house. Yeah, I have a um, – it's one of the pictures that's online um, where you'll see I have the ball in my hand in my Jets practice uniform and I'm kind of like – I got the sprinter stance going like I, I was moving too, by the way. But everybody went crazy. Like even uh, even Rex Ryan and the offensive players, they was like, yo, because I had to jump up pretty high to, to intercept it. I don't think Mark saw me. Like I was kind of like hunched over. It was a screen. I was hunched over, hunched over. And then when I saw it coming, I just jumped up in the air, two hands, got it, took off the other way. I ran like 50 yards. Well, after our conversation about your celebration, I had a flag football game last Tuesday, mm -hmm. and we and we were playing, and I I was the left side cornerback. We we're in cover three. I, I got the middle. I got the left third of the field, and mm -hmm. they throw a wide receiver screen, and I break on it. I get the ball. I score, and all I could think of is 
I got a shout out snack. So I hit him with this. My friend was there, he'll vouch for me. I was like, let's go. Got the hey, six. Hey man, we need to see video evidence or it didn't happen, man. I'm I told my friend, I'm getting I'm yeah. bringing the camera next time. I'm gonna film it. I'll get yeah. another pick six for you and then I'll Yeah, hit yeah. This. And you'll see um Dalvin Thomason uh played with him, uh the Giants. Um he even, you know, threw me a little nod, got a sack and got up and did the snack uh the snack dance. That was crazy. I hope you know that. I, I've been telling all my friends because every once in a while, someone will do this when they do something. And I'm like, yeah. you know Zeke didn't start that, right? No. Like, let's, you know Zeke didn't start no. that. And they'll, no. be like, they'll be like, what do you mean? Like, who did that? And snacks. It, snacks. Put some respect I started, on the I started the mouthpieces, too, the pacifiers with the designs. I did. Oh, man, listen. They don't give me my credit, man. No, I'm telling you, one day, whether on the show or not, we're going to make a list, like top 10 things that Snacks did. And yeah. we're just going to list them off because some things in there you got to take credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-oh, here go that big pick right here, man. Ooh. Hey, man, that was that was older Snacks right there, man. That was older Snacks. You you remembered it as soon as it popped up. You were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to see. Look at, what, look at what I did to the guard, though. Look. Oh, get off. That was crazy. I was going to rock Kelsey's world if JPP didn't hit him. You're gonna end him. Yeah. Wait. So when you're on the line like that, like that specific play, this is gonna sound like a funny question, but like, mm -hmm. do you know that you have the capability to just toss him like that, or you're just feeling yeah. his body and you're just like, yeah. No, nah, look, I already knew one hand too. Get out of the way. I already knew, bro. I used to do it so much. I used to literally hold a center here with my right hand and a guard with my left hand. Like that's how I played the double teams, and I would just split them both, push them both out. And you just practice it so much, you're like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, the coach didn't, coach didn't want anybody else doing it. He called it the Superman, but he didn't want anybody else doing it. But, you know, that was mine. One of my first plays in Detroit, um, that's the picture that Detroit had of me up when I had uh, both the Seattle guys like this too. So. The Superman. They, they, yeah, they caught a good one. <laughs> Did you see the clip uh, last Sunday of Aaron Donald splitting the double team? No, I didn't. Because it was almost exactly what you said. They, they literally lined up two guys on him. And mm -hmm. he just both hands just split them both went right up the middle and it, it was just a, it was just a joke. Come on, Ad, stop stealing my moves, man. <laughs> See, that's another thing. Add it to the list. The super Superman move, the Superman pass rush. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, no, don't call it a pass rush, man. That's 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 blasphemy when you're talking about snacks. Yeah, it's on run plays. We don't do pass rush. We don't do we don't do pass <laughs> rush. All right, you're right. You're right. We're shutting down the run only. So you got a, you got a hot take heading into this week? Um, again, it's not a hot take. I told you Seattle was going four and one in the next five, so now they're going four and zero in the next four. I believe it. I believe it, man. I believe it. Let's. I believe in Gino. It's not too late to give up. Nah, we're not like, giving up. You don't. <laughs> I, I won't blame you. Like you don't have to stay strong in your opinion. I, I don't blame you. Like if you want to mm -hmm. just give up now and say you were wrong, like I'll let you do that. It's fine. I tell you what. Let me give you. Let me throw out a few names for you. Let's Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs, um, Jamal Adams. I know you're not saying Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. Uh, who else? Um, we need to get the running game back. We need to get our running backs back healthy. Um, Chris Carson ain't you know, coming back. Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith. That's all you need right there. Boom. Pete Carroll. <laughs> Did you say Jamal Adams in there somewhere? Yeah. 
The best thing Jamal Adams has ever done for a football team was the trade that he got the Jets. You saying that now, but when he was there, y'all loved him. Y'all loved him. You go to bat for him. Y'all is the best safety in the league. But as soon as he leaves, nobody like him. He's trash. He's garbage. Y'all need to stop it, man. Yo, you know, Jets fans, just stop it. I, I can't even lie because someone pulled up one of my tweets from a few years ago. When Jamal got traded, I tweeted in all caps, oh, my God, the Jets just got fleeced. But now, like, now a few years later, I don't know about that anymore because... Well, he's still one of the best safeties in football. I think he's being underutilized right now. Um, put him in some different positions, and it's a whole other conversation we're having. See, the thing is with Jamal, I love him, and obviously as a Jets player, or ex-Jets player, I went to battle for him. And my roommates hate him and thinks that he's a, a fake safety, and he obviously has coverage issues, but... I agree with you. I mean, it doesn't matter anymore what a guy's title is as a position. Like, yeah. find a way to get him used on the field and find yeah. a way to make him impactful. And to their credit, they've done that a little bit. Like, they lined him up at defensive end a few plays, or at least in the defensive end spot as a 250-pound safety. But they really just got to find a way to get him involved, especially if they're going to give up as many first-round picks as they did for him. Yeah. I, I think you're delusional, though. There's no way Seattle wins <laughs> their next four. You're crazy. Almost as crazy as you were saying they were going to go 4-1. and one. Bobby Wagner. Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams. I'm the best in the nation. I'm the best in the nation. I'm the best in the nation. Do you know where that comes from? No. So people, you know, people were giving him a hard time about it. Um, but it wasn't, um, he wasn't just saying it like, it was, it's, it's a comedy thing. It was a kid in Florida some years ago from uh, I, I know yeah, what you're talking about. Remember when I've he was like, yeah, he said, can you play, can you play cornerback? He said, I ain't a cornerback. He said, I ain't a cornerback, but I can do it now. I can do it. That's where that come from. That's why it was funny. And people gave him a hard time for it when it was a joke, man. But he well, do believe he's the best in the nation. So if you see he's zooming in here on the pro football the focus ranking, 62 out of 85. But no, he gets hated. I love Jamal because he's going to go out there, have fun. He's one of the most energetic players in the league. Mm -hmm. And that's why I loved him so much as a Jets player. And I could obviously pretend that uh, I wouldn't still want him on my team, but they, yeah, Jamal. It's the same thing that happened to Landon Collins. Giant fans loved him. He was all you know, everything. And as soon as you go to another team, all you're sorry, you're a bum, and you know it happens. It's the age old thing happened with DRC with the Giants. It happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. As soon as you leave where you became famous, that home team's gonna just put you down and yeah, yeah, you yeah, for sure. Did you experience that at all, or everyone loves snacks? Not, not necessarily. You had some people. You had some, but for the most part, um, everybody just loved me, man. <laughs> what was the biggest argument you got into with someone? Like, as a player, not necessarily, like, we don't have to talk about anything off the field. Like, I'm sure there were things you got into more personal, but in terms of something, like, that happened, like, an on-field argument, who, like, pissed you off the most? Hmm. Uh, that's a good one, man. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, I don't really get in arguments on the field. Really? It's, it's usually just one-sided. Oh. Yeah, it's usually just one-sided. You don't, you don't chirp back at snacks, man. You don't do that. No, I mean, no, no. you can't say much if you're on the ground. Like, if right. you're getting thrown with one hand out of the right. direction, you can't be looking up at the sky talking trash. Like, what the hell are you going to tell me after yeah. I just dumped you on your head? I guess that's fair enough. <laughs> and I can do it again, so you better be quiet. <laughs> you got to be talking trash to someone, whether or not the quarterback, the other sideline, something. Oh, I talk trash to everybody. But what I'm saying is... They're just not talking just back. One, yeah, it was usually just one-sided. 
it, it's a wall. It just doesn't pass one ear at the other. Yeah. That's funny. So we mentioned something beforehand, and we just switched the switch the topic here into a little bit of basketball, mm-hmm. specifically something that is going to be relevant to your career in a few years here. And it has to do with Clay Thompson complaining about not making the top 75 or the 75th anniversary NBA team. And he put out this Instagram, maybe I'm just naive in my ability to play basketball, but in my head, I'm top 75 all time. What do you think about these lists that in the social media age are becoming more important in terms of ranking guys that have retired from the game? Or not even retired, but that are still playing the game, but amongst guys that have retired and are no longer playing the game. I just think you can't do that. I think you got to kind of put, you know, multiple lists together to, um, you know, give a nod to the guys who played in the 80s and the 90s and, you know, guys in the early 2000s or whatever, because it's a different game. It's guys that are playing right now who, you know, pretty much are average players, but if you put them in basketball in the 80s or the 70s, they'd probably be one of the most dominant players of their generation. You know, if you put that exact player there, but it's just a different game, man. And um, I like Clay Thompson a lot, but if we're going by the standards that they have now, you know, with the active players and the players in the past, top 75, um, I would have to say he would be, you know, somewhere in that, you know, 60 to 75 area. I do believe he's, you know, one of the better players of, you know, of all time. But um, I can see why some people didn't put him on there. There's some people that made the top 75 list. That would you take him off to put Clay on the list? I don't know. To me, it goes back to what Michael Jordan said when he was asked about the GOAT conversation a few years ago. And this was a big thing in the thing between him and LeBron because when LeBron was asked the question, he said, Yeah, I am the GOAT. But what Jordan said essentially is he was like, Who am I to say that I'm better than Will Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul Jabbar, guys that I never got to play against and guys that did everything I did before I even came into the sport? And there was just no way for him to put himself above those guys. And I kind of see that as a similar thing, especially when we look to Clay Thompson. And that is Clay a top 75 player of all time? Maybe, maybe not. But when you start to look at the 75 names that they did put above him, then something starts to get into a question. Well, hey, a guy from the 70s who won two titles <laughs> and an MVP, should he really be above maybe a top four shooter in NBA history? So a lot of these questions come up. And then it just yeah. comes up to what do you value? Like, should you go with stats? Should you go with championships? Should you go with what role mm-hmm. they had on the team? Yeah, it's a lot of things you can take into consideration. So it's almost impossible to make top 75 lists. Like, t- you know, top 10 to 20 is easy. You can put it together. Some names, you know, you can move in, move out. But 75? It's too many. Yeah, way too many. There, there's not been 75 players better than Clay Thompson. Have there been 75 nose tackles better than Snacks Harrison? Nope. No, it's... Ah, man, look, I, I don't, you know, I don't like to gloat or brag or, or you know, be anything like that, but I'm, I'm proud of what I've done in my career. And I think the, you know, the resume that I put up, you know, the numbers that I put up and the time that I put those numbers up, I mean, besides winning championships, you can put those numbers up to a lot of nose tackles and, you know, I'm right up there with them. Not only should you not feel bad to gloat, but I'm asking you to gloat because you've mm-hmm. done things that, not a hundred, less than a hundred people have ever done on the history of the planet. So you should mm-hmm. definitely hold yourself in that high standard and not feel bad uh, celebrating the things you've done in your yeah. amazing career. Yeah, and I think you. I think you should be expecting to get into the Hall of Fame one day. 
if they, you know, if the Hall of Fame voters will get out of their feelings and actually look at my career and what I've done in my career, then I think a lot of people would at least consider it. I don't, I don't expect to get in there, but a lot of people should, you know, they should consider it based on, you know, what I've done. I wasn't blessed to, you know, play on a lot of these teams with these great quarterbacks and, you know, win multiple Super Bowls, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and that's not a knock on any of the quarterbacks that I played with, but those teams were just different. Um, and they're telling me in a time where the run isn't isn't as important, you got guys breaking 2,000 yards. You got guys going over 1,500 yards pretty easily. So at a time when the run isn't that important and I'm putting up all of these numbers, I want you to ask, like, imagine what I would have done in the 90s. Imagine what I would have done in the early 2000s or even the mid-2000s. Like, it wouldn't even be funny if I played that. It wouldn't even be funny because they damn sure wasn't blocking me. No chance. And it just, it's so much of the Arab talk and how the games change over time. And yeah. you talk about when you try to compare quarterbacks and the passing mm-hmm. age, and it's so different. But the one thing I, that just annoys me, and it annoys me when they do it for offensive players too, but especially quarterbacks, but how could you possibly fault you as a nose tackle for not winning a Super Bowl when you're comparing yourself to other guys at the nose tackle position. Like, yeah, you have a chance to impact the game, but the issue with football and what makes it such a dynamic sport is that the 11 positions have to come together in such a way that each position can only affect the game a certain amount. And what you were asked to do, you did at the highest level, and you couldn't do anything above that. And that's why, to me, you would be up there in the Hall of Fame as a nose tackle. Yeah, because it's... it's around it. You know, it's not like I didn't want to rush on third down. It wasn't like I didn't want to pass rush on first or second down. It's whenever I got on the team that year, I sit down with the coach and I ask, what am I here for? Like, what is my responsibility? What are you expecting out of me? And they all say the same thing. Stop the run on first and second down. Get us in third and long. That's why, again, if you look at throughout my career um, and all the run stops I, and all, you know, all the run stops I made, it was a lot of third and long situations that I helped, you know, put the team in based on what I was doing on first and second down. So the defense was able to do a lot more stuff, you know, based on the fact that we had a pretty good D-line and, you know, you got your nose sack in the middle handling his business. No, just like you said, it's awesome. So I want to give you my hottest take of the week. Mm -hmm. Let's hear this. Let's hear this. So I want to know what you think. And this is going to be about the week, but the rest Mm -hmm. of the season in general. What if I told you that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win the AFC North over the Ravens? (laughs) That's not even a hot take, man. That's a trash take. What about it? That's a trash take. You're not rocking with Burrow? No, man. Listen, I believe in Burrow. I think Cincinnati is set up perfectly for the future. You know, with that that one-two punch they got over there. Um in the form of uh, college teammates. But as long as Lamar Jackson is in Baltimore, nobody else is winning that division. You you have Lamar up there that high? Yeah, nobody's winning that division. Even then, they're not going to finish ahead of, you know, Pittsburgh. What do you mean, man? I'm just seeing if I can what get you to say something mean, crazy. What do you mean, man? <laughs> I'm just seeing if I can get you to say something crazy because I had, I had the Ravens in my top five teams. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to see if you were paying attention. No, but I don't know. That was crazy. That, that, but that's the point of a hot take. Yeah. It's got to be hot. If it's, if it's just lukewarm, it's not a hot take. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw a question up there by Calais, man. Um, 
I don't I wouldn't call it a resurgent season. Maybe he had, you know, a down year last year, last couple of years not up to his standing, but Calais has been playing at a pretty consistent level his entire career, which is impressive considering how old he is and how big he is. That's a large human being. Like Calais can make a lot of people feel small when he walks in a room. Like and for him to be that age and putting up the numbers and producing it the way he's producing, like it's it's crazy to me. As a, as a monster. Yeah. All right. Well, I think everything's been awesome so far. Uh, thank you guys for listening here on the U Stadium app. And uh, you can find Snacks on Twitter just at Snacks, right? At Snacks, at man. Snacks. It's simple. How did you get at that? Snacks. How did you get listen, that username? Listen. Can we talk about that? How did you get that? Because I okay. saw that last night. I was at a uh, an event. Um a Twitter event. I was at the Twitter offices in New York and we're getting ready to do some speaking and whatnot. And, you know, one of the people came up to me and was like, Hey man, you know, snacks is available on Twitter. And I'm like, what do you mean? You like snacks is available on Twitter. I didn't know what he was talking about at first. Cause I've been looking at, at snacks for a while and, you know, and I was like, no, it's not. So he pulled up the computer. He showed me it was available. I said, give it to me right here, right now. I want it right now. And then that's how I got snacks. I love that. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I no, you going. No, nah, it was surprising it was open, man. Yeah, because there has to be some story on it because I don't know how much. I mean, it's a big thing among the younger kids nowadays. But, like, if you're on Instagram or Twitter and you have, like, a, a one name like that or, like, a one-word name, I mean, if you think about how many billions of accounts it is, like, that's so rare to see, like, a one, one name. Yeah. Thing. Like, there has to be some story behind it. Yeah, but that must have been what seven years ago, six years ago. Uh, about about what are we in right now? Twenty one. Yeah, about four or five years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you can check him out on Twitter at Snacks. Check me out at Scarton Radio, and uh, definitely check out the Snacks and Sunny page across all social media. But unless you got anything else, Damon, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was a pleasure to go live with you again, and I'm looking forward to next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man. Thanks again. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Of course. Thank you so much.